Episode 8.2, My current weight is still 276 pounds. I've also decided I will start out each episode to do this introduction. So if you come in the middle of one of these episodes, you'll understand why. I have stage 4 cancer that is terminal. It has metastasized to my bones. And I want to tell you my story of my wonderful and amazing life. I've had a minor stroke, so I kind of talk slow. I've always told people I kind of talk like John Wayne from Chicago. Okay, I also want to say thank you for your support to all you nurses at my hospital. To all of you that believed in me and kept pushing me to do another episode and keeping me alive by doing this. I never knew there could be so many sweet people gathered in one place. Thank you again for me to you folks at the hospital. You all know who you are, and I just want to say thank you again. Now, back to the show. I said no, 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 no to Joe, and I'm good, and I ran. All I could hear was a roar of laughter. Needless to say, I didn't show up around there for the rest of the night. Um, he could tell I wasn't afraid of him like other people. And, well, I should have been, but I just wasn't afraid. I had a friend called Slim. He was 450 pounds to my 180 pounds. And I treated him just like I treated Slim. No fear. The real reason I think he liked me was I really tried to care about him. I really liked him as a friend. You know, and I don't think he had many friends. Everyone was afraid of him. I would make him walk with me a mile or two every morning to the local grocery store. And he I'm from the city, and I never heard of this stuff, that he taught me we could eat the blackberries on the way to the store because they grow wild in Oregon. And I taught him how we could eat samples at the grocery store once we got there. 
I would panda handle in front of the grocery store when we got there and I'd get him enough for a cheap bottle of wine, two, three dollars, you know, nothing. I didn't stay there long. I didn't want to get noticed with this giant of a man. He would drink that straight down and throw it straight back up. And at least that gave him enough alcohol to tide him over until the next day. We would, when we would do it all over again, every single day, I'd walk over there with him. I'd panhandle him enough to get cheap wine. He would suck it down like water and then throw it up. But at least that gave him the alcohol intake so he wouldn't die, and he really would have died. No kidding. Because he needed that for his blood. Well, you folks know. I said, look, Joe, we're on our way back from the grocery store. I said, look, Joe, I got to do something. You've got to do something. We've got to do something. This is not working. So... I went back to the trailer, and I'm just a clean freak. So I started cleaning up again, and I'm looking around the trailer, and, you know, something that needs to get picked up and dusted and cleaned. And, I mean, if we aren't doing anything else, I want to keep busy at least. And I said, hey, Bob, what's that on the ledge over there? And he said, all those stacks of paper there, can I clean it, I asked. And he said, "Um, those are government contracts. I said, what? He said, they give us a bunch of those contracts every year. You fill them out, and then 10, 14 days later, you see if you get one or not. We were so busy that I never really got to him, Gabriel. I almost screamed at him. I said, well, we aren't busy now, Bob. I said, and why aren't you filling those out? I'll help you. For God's sakes, I'll buy the stamps. Well, I'd have to bid that for first. But, I mean, still, you know, I said, they sent them to you because you have all the prerequisites to make this happen. You don't have to worry about that. Why don't you just try? What have we got to lose, Bob? We need to work. He said, yeah, yeah, I'll get to them. I could tell he was defeated. He just didn't have it in him. He had lost everything. I know that feeling. He didn't know what to do next. He was in the fog. But you got to remember, I'm a fighter. He was more interested in drinking, and 
He drinks something called that Kessler's. I told you about it before in episode um, 8.1. It's that cheap, nasty bourbon. So the next day, I made him some coffee, black and hot, just like he likes it. I made the rest of the eggs over medium, three of them. I had some money that I panhandled extra. I went and got a loaf of bread. I made some toast, and I sat him down. And I said, here, Bob, this is for you, man. He looked at me funny. He said, really? That's really nice of you, turkey. And that was one of his little things he called everyone turkey. At the time, it was popular. I said, oh, thanks. You're welcome. How's the food? I sat across from him. Bob said, it's delicious. You're a really good cook. I said, thanks, man. When he got done eating all his food, I said, how do you feel, Bob? He said, I feel good. I feel really good. I haven't eaten like this in a very long time. He said, everything was perfect, Gabe. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it, Gabe. I really, really needed that. I said, cool. He was sipping his coffee and smoking the cigarette, just feeling all good. I took good about himself, too. I took the dishes away real gently not as not to bother him. You know, he was really in his coffee and cigarettes and, you know, really puffing away, looking up at the ceiling, puffing away. All of a sudden, I slammed the pile of contracts in front of him. And the pen on top of that, I said, now, let's fill these contracts out. We were hitting rock bottom. First, the landlord was looking for rent on the lot and the shop, and there's no gas. There was no nothing. The people at the store had caught on to what Joe and I were doing. And all five of us were in dire dire straits. We really, really were. This went on, you know. I mean, we were at rock bottom, like I said. And we were doing this for about two weeks. I had already mailed those contracts, and I had the stamps. I even... uh, went with him to the post office so I knew they got in. I wasn't taking a chance on Bob, you know, messing this one up. Even if it's, you know, it's like a lottery. So so what? You know, all, the, all they can do is say no. That's how I look at it. Well, we hit pay dirt. Bob's come running out of the um, trailer like a little boy giggling. 
I said, Bob, what's up? He says, oh, my God. Oh, my God, Gabe. He says, we've got two government contracts out of the 10 that we sent out. And uh, not one, but two, Turkey. And I started laughing. Nobody says Turkey anymore. And then... Right, and they're right next to each other on Ashland Mountain. I said, oh, that's awesome. I didn't know what Ashland Mountain was, but I didn't care. So I said, let's go. What are we waiting for? He said, the problem is we have no money to even get there. We need to bring the trailer, the truck, and the car. I said, okay, listen, Bob, I did my part. You need to call somebody. I don't know anybody around here that would borrow me money. You've lived here all your life. I said, you need to call somebody. You need to borrow some money, and you need to do it now before they give these contracts to someone else. He thought about it for a sec, and he says, I'll call my sister. Tell her what happened and I what I have, and that I'll pay her back. And I said, you're going to make sure you pay her back. You have to realize I've been around. You already know that if you've listened in past episodes. I had figured Bob out. Nice man. Kind man. I mean, patient man. And he'll sit there and listen to your problems. And, I mean, he'll listen. And he won't try to use it against you. At a later date, he'll he'll listen and try to help you, whatever your problem is. That's nice. He was one of those kind of guys that meant so well, but he just couldn't get it together or be trusted his whole life. I could tell. He was 47 or 49 at the time. You know, remember, he's five foot four, so he's got that Napoleon syndrome, too. But he was so bloody kind. He would, like I said, always listen. And he actually turned out to be a father figure to me. And, you know, at least he didn't hit me. You know, and he was... Uh, patient with me and that's a hard thing to do with me at that time I said okay this sounds great call your sister so we did she wired him some money for gas but her only contingency was that we had to take her son Steve which was our age, probably 20, 21, 22, somewhere in there. And he'd meet us in Medford at a rest stop on a certain day at a certain time. 
And then we'd all turn left and go up the mountain to Mount Ashland. Okay, now we're all getting ready to go, and we're all excited, and we have a purpose in life again, and by God, we aren't going to let this one pass us up. We've eaten a little, and with the money he had left over, he was divvying, divvying it up perfectly. I was so proud of him. I mean, man. And so he knew this is it. He knew himself, Bob did. We got to make it down to Medford, Oregon, which is at the bottom of the state. Portland is on top and Medford is on bottom before you hit California. So we got to go the whole state to get there. And then make a left up the mountain. He said, Lynn, if this guy's going to be climbing trees with us, you may as well go take him up one of the little trees and teach him how to climb. Okay, Dad. So Lynn, being 17 or 18, me being 19 or 20 at the time, I had no clue what I was doing. But he really wanted me to climb. He really wanted me on his side. Remember, Randy thought he had me on his side. No, Lynn was the smart one. Lynn was the talented one. Lynn was more like me. And you'll find out later why. But... He so he taught me what gaffs were. They strap on your um, calves, and they have uh, spikes sticking out the side. So if you're standing straight, you, inside of your shoe, on the insides, there's a spike, two-inch spike on each side, and that what gets you up the tree and then you wear a belt and so he checked my belt twice and taught me how to put that on and then he told me what a monkey fist was a when he clipped my rope on and I said wait this rope's supposed to be around the tree or something he said no no not till we get up there we're gonna bear claw to the first limb, which is about 20 foot up. And then once we get to the top, then we tie in. What? So I grabbed on just like he did. He went up right side by side. And I said, oh, my God, dude, can't we start with a smaller tree? I thought that's what your dad said. He laughed at me. He said, Gabe, this is a small tree. It was about 100 foot up, truly 100 foot. And he said, don't worry. I'll be right here by your side the whole way. I said, even if I fall, you're going to be by my side, right? He started laughing. So up we went, bear clawing it grabbing onto the bark of the tree, 
finding a a claw, actual clawing the, at the bark, and then gaffing with that two-inch spike into the tree and then going up, walking up the tree to the first branch. Well, when I first started, no kidding, I got to be honest with you folks, I was shaking like a leaf. By the time I got to my 10th step, I was starting to feel a little more comfortable, but then you kind of, if you don't gaff in there strong enough, you lose your footing. Even though you have your other two hands and your foot in the other gaff, if you slip and that gaff don't go in, you only do that once. Trust me. The next time I gaffed, I made sure I punctured it, (laughs) you know. So, uh, anyways, I digress. We got up to the first branch, and then after that, it's a piece of cake. These are pine trees. You just crawl up a tree like you do when you were a kid. Find the next branch and go up. You got to watch out for dead branches, but we weren't worrying about that right now. We were just going up that tree. So we got up there about, we went all the way to the top, about 10 foot from the very tippy top. Lynn said, now we're going to tie in. I said, great. How do we do that? He, He showed me. I didn't get it with this monkey fist thing. So he showed me again, patient. What a patient kid he was at this time. I almost got it. Then he showed me one more time. I got it. I got it. The monkey fist knot is your friend. Now let me explain this to you. He showed me how to pull on the monkey fist four-inch tail. There's a tail on the end of it, this knot, uh, four inches. You pull it up a certain way, and uh, that's your break. And then when you, if you wanted to go down on the rope, you pull down on the monkey fist tail, and you reach... How far, however far you want to go down, you zing down. And remember that friction gets that rope hot. It's a half-inch cotton rope. So you pull up on that tail, and it stops you. It breaks you within, say, a foot. Cool, I said. This is cool. I think I got this. Now, we're still up there enjoying I, you know, enjoying the scenery, and I'm thinking to myself, this is going to be easy. Once I get the rhythm of everything, it's going to be okay. We're sitting up there, and the beauty is like the first time you're up in top of one of those trees, and you see Mount St. Helens are just indescribable the beauty, nothing like I had ever seen. You know, I've been up 
uh, John Hancock building at the time. So I'm thinking to myself, why are we up here looking and just talking all the, this is a piece of cake. I love this. And I'm not afraid when we go down. And he just must have looked funny at me. All he didn't he'd done it a hundred times. This was my first time, you know. So all of a sudden he pulls out a joint. Oh god. Nobody now. Anybody who knows me knows I'm a lightweight. I can't drink more than three beers, honest to God, even to if I drink now. I mean, I haven't had a drink in 30 years, and I certainly can't smoke pot. I get really funny for about 10 minutes, and then I'm in the frig- refrigerator raiding it, for like a half hour or until it's empty and then I gotta go to sleep. I never could smoke pot. I'm like I said, I admit it, I'm a lightweight. Well, I didn't wanna be uncool. Yeah, peer pressure. Go ahead and say it. So I took a couple puffs and oh my God. I said to Lynn, I looked down and I said, that looks long, long way down, don't it to you? He said, no, man, there's no problem. He said, we're going to zip down and on our ropes, it'll take us like two minutes stops and we'll be on the ground. I said, no, 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 no. I said, I love it up here. <laughs> Let's just sit up here a while longer and take in all this beauty. He said, okay. You know, he, what's he going to say to me? I'm bigger than him. We were up there probably 10 minutes more, which seemed like an hour to me. I'm just, oh, God, I got to get straight. Oh, God, how do I do? Breathe heavy. <gasps> Okay, okay, that ain't working. He started getting bored, and he said, let's go down, man. I said, no, 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 no. Let's just stay here a little while longer. And he finally caught on. He started laughing. Are you paranoid, Gabe? Are you scared to go down? And I said, No, 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 I'm not afraid. Hey, Ma, please, I'm trying to do a podcast down here. Be quiet.